You're listening to a sermon from Grace Church, located in Frisco, Texas. Get to know Grace Church better by visiting our website at www.gracechurchfrisco.org. Today, we have a guest speaker. I want to introduce some friends to you. Some of you, these will be old friends for you as well. And for some of you, these will be brand new people standing up here. Uh, but this is Dave and Stacy Hare. Uh, let's welcome them. Those of you um, who know them are clapping. Other people are just clapping. I don't know why yet. Uh, but I'm going to tell you why we're clapping. Uh, Dave and Stacy uh, were sent out from here. They'll tell about that. To, uh, to serve as missionaries in uh, Cameroon. Africa, and their work is to reach an unreached people group named the Bakum, and uh, so they have been there a number of years now, and they're Bible translators, so they went into a uh, people group, into a village where there's no written language, and uh, took uh, years to learn their language, a tonal language, and then they created an alphabet for the language, and then they began to uh, teach literacy teach people how to read. Now they're translating the Bible uh, so that people have the Word of God to read and know Him. And it's been a wonderful work. People have come to Christ. It's very exciting what is going on there. And um, they shared Friday night uh, for quite a while. We had a Q&A time. So that we'll send you that uh, link on, on the Tuesday. When you get the Tuesday email, the announcements, you look at those, right? When you, get, when you get those, you better look this week. If you never look, this is the week to look because we'll include the link to that presentation so you can hear what happened Friday night. But we realized everybody couldn't be there, so we wanted them to share Sunday morning as well uh, just about give an update what's going on. So they serve four years, then take a year furlough. They're on a year furlough. Last furlough they lived here. This furlough they're living in Louisville, uh, Kentucky, but they're here for the weekend uh, to be with us. So I guess I'd want you to know uh, we just communicated our heart for you guys, love for you guys on Friday night. And I'll be brief because I don't want to cut into your time, but we, we do really love you and so appreciate what you're doing. And we, it's a joy to pray for you and support you in any way that we can. And um, we're glad, we'd be happy to just have random missionaries doing the work of the Lord sharing with us. We'd be happy for that. But we're glad that's not what's happening today, your family. And so these are family members who are in another part of the globe doing the Lord's work, but are connected. And uh, so we want to receive you as family and hear from you. And uh, so wonderful that you'd be with us this weekend. So let's give uh, another hand to David and Stacy as they give us an update. Well, good morning. Uh, Thank you, Pastor Craig. So I'm Dave. This is my lovely wife, Stacy, and we are your missionaries to Cameroon. I was thinking this morning we're probably the least seen members of uh, Grace Church, but every time we are seen, we're up here on stage. So um, (laughs) we've got four kids. Uh, Zoe and Makaira are over here, and uh, Caden and Elias are hanging out with their grandpa in California right now. And uh, that's all of us right there, a picture from when we were in Cameroon. Uh, We were sent out from here in 2013, so the next picture is us here, and uh, we were younger then, and uh, we got prayed out and sent, and then on the next slide is when we arrived actually in France. So we had two two two-year-olds and two three-year-olds when we arrived in France, and uh, we went to France because the government language in in Cameroon is French. And so we spent a little over a year there just learning French uh, with our kids. And then uh, 
three or a year and a half later, we moved to Cameroon, and this is when we arrived in Cameroon. And uh, when we arrived in Cameroon, we moved to a village. So the next picture is our house. And so we moved into a village with the Kwakum people, which is a small people group that lives in the East region. And uh, we spent three years there just learning their language and learning their culture. And then we came back here uh, to Grace Church again. And the next slide, I think, is this is uh, VBS during that summer when we were here. So we got, while we were here, uh, we spent a year here in Dallas. We studied a bit more linguistics, and we taught Grace Kids kindergarten and first grade class here. I don't know if we have any kids here that were in our class, but we loved you guys and think about you all the time. When we were here, we did do a presentation, and one of the things I mentioned was people often ask us as missionaries, what is the hardest part about being a missionary? What's the hardest part about being on the field? And the answer is just that it's really hard to be living among an unreached people group. So in America, even though there's a lot of bad things here, there's so many blessings that we have here because in the beginning, our country was founded on Christian principles. And so there are blessings of even just being kindness. You know, when you go to the store, or when you walk down the street, people greet you. Those sort of blessings we don't feel when we're in Cameroon. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to be away from our Christian brothers and sisters. It's hard to be living in a people group that are unreached. Um, but it's not, when we started to learn their language, we started to find that there were words that they don't have in their language that we have, which makes Bible translation, which is what we do now, very difficult. And so I don't remember if I mentioned it or not, but there's one word um, that they don't have in Bakum, which is the word for grace. And that's a pretty important word when you're translating the Bible. And what we've come to find, I think I shared that with you last time we were here, but what I've come to find since then is that they actually don't even have a concept of grace. They don't have a word for gift. They don't have the idea of giving something without expecting something in return. And uh, just as an example of this, I think the next slide is a picture of a house. Um, one of the, the young believers that just became a believer not long ago that I mentioned um, on Friday night, his name is Ko, he, uh, he got married and decided he wanted to build a house that was a bit separate from his family so they could live somewhere else. But he didn't know how to build a house, which neither do I, you know. And so I asked one of our neighbors, um, whose name is Patrice, I asked him to help him out. He's also a Christian. So they both go to the same church, young believer, a little bit older believer. Um, Co is an orphan. He has no family to help him out. So he's trying to figure stuff out for himself. So I asked Patrice. Again, he's a Christian. He's actually been a Christian for a while. And I said, would you help Co build his house, especially with a roof, because he, he knows how to do the roofs. And uh, Patrice totally agreed. He was happy to do it. He went down there, helped him out. It was wonderful. And then he came to me and said, okay, I want you to pay me now. And I was kind of surprised, and we had a long conversation. But basically, I just realized that they don't have this concept in their language, in their minds, in their culture. They don't have a concept of doing something for free, of doing something uh, without expecting something in return. And uh, I asked him during that conversation, well, what if your son, wanted, he has several sons, what if your son wanted to build a house, and you went and helped him with a roof? You wouldn't expect him to give you something. And he said, of course I would. It wouldn't necessarily... It wouldn't necessarily be money. I wouldn't be expecting him to pay me, but he'd have to give me something because I was helping him with his house. And the word that he used there was a word paki in their language. And it's, it's, the word, it's a word that means um, when you have someone to help you who's like family, you don't necessarily give them money, but you give them something. And this is the word the Christians in Cameron have been using for grace, paki. And what this really helped me see is that their whole culture is set up in such a way they don't understand grace. They don't understand gifts. They don't even understand the gospel. 
And I say that just to help you understand some of the frustration of when we were on our first term, we were there, we were seeing needs and problems and sins, and we couldn't speak to them, we couldn't tell them the truth of the gospel. And um, now that we've been back, we've been focusing on literacy, getting them to read, but we've been focusing on Bible translation. I think the next slide is us. Oh, this is Stacy um, doing literacy, teaching people how to read. So that's obviously important. And then the next slide is us translating the Bible with, uh, with Kwakum people. And we're wrestling through these words. We're wrestling through these ideas. And one of the main principles of translation is you can't translate something you don't understand. And so in the past, they've been translating this idea of grace and gift through their cultural lens that they didn't really understand. And that's led them to a wrong understanding of the gospel and of grace. And so we spent a lot of time um, just trying to find illustrations, trying to find different ways to express what it is to give a gift, what it is to be, um, to be given the grace of God. And we've come up with a lot of different stories, and it's been really great. We've been seeing um, the, the Word of God confront people, and, in, and we've seen some people understand it. And we still don't really have a word for grace. I don't know if we'll ever have just a word for grace. But we have had some really encouraging stories that communicate grace. And Stacey's going to share with you one of those. Okay, if we can go to the next slide, I want to share with you all a story of a young girl named Maggie. Um, there she is right there. So Maggie, um, we met her when our first term because we would go over to her aunt and uncle's house, and she was always sitting in the front of their house. And Maggie is actually, she's crippled, and so she, when she, she can walk, but when she walks, her head is at the um, level of her ankles, and so she's very bent over because she had uh, polio as a child, and so because of this handicap, Maggie, she just doesn't get out much. She tells our, our children, she says, the bench that you see me sitting on here is the bench I will probably die on. I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to get out much, is what she says, and so um, Basically, Maggie, or Maggie, um, she lives pretty close to the church that we attend, and she does go to church, but in talking to her, she, it was clear that she didn't understand the gospel, and she later told me that she didn't understand what was being taught in church because it was in French, and it was too difficult for her to understand. Um, then we started to translate the Bible. And I told Maggie, I said, why don't you come on over and just sit in the back of our translation center and listen to the process of Bible translation? And she said no, that she didn't want to do that. But I kept encouraging her, and I just kind of said, you're just sitting here. The translation center is very close by, and we have free food, so you should come. And so Maggie was persuaded, and she would come to the translation center, and she ended up sitting just kind of in the back of the translation center for the past two years. She would sit there and listen to the process of Bible translation. You can go to the next slide. This is her, this is her seat um, in the translation center. And um, Maggie would hear all of our all of our frustration in trying to find the right words in Bakum to communicate ideas. So one example of this is that um, in the Bible it says that Abraham, or that um, Moses greeted Aaron sorry, with a kiss, but there's no word for kiss in Bakum. And so the, what they came up with was a descriptive phrase, and they got really creative, and it ended up, they ended up saying something like... <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so this was just an option that my team came up with, but they said we could say that Moses sucked on Aaron's cheek, which is a description of a kiss. And so Maggie was just in the back, and she was just like, no, you can't do that. And then later on, she went and told all the her sisters or her cousins that live in her house, and she told me, she's just like, what were they thinking, you know? <laughs> anyway, so that's one example um, of something that... Um, of something that Maggie would hear. She would hear all the difficulties of translation. So also in our um, translation center, we started literacy classes, and, and Maggie had never been to school because basically she said she'd try to go to school, she'd walk to school, but she was so mocked and ridiculed for her handicap that she was just too ashamed, so she would always stay home. So we started teaching literacy classes for people who um, already knew how to read in French, but Maggie would come to those classes, sit in the back in her seat here, but because she couldn't read in French, she was just totally lost. So we developed a curriculum for people like her um, who couldn't, didn't know how to hold a book, who didn't know what the letter A was, who just started completely at zero, and that curriculum was for people like Maggie to learn how to hold a book, to learn how to read and write in her mother tongue. And so I was pretty excited, finished this curriculum. It took at least six months to complete. And so I went to her house and I said, Maggie, we have this curriculum. It's for you. I wrote this for you. And I want you to come to my literacy class, not just in the back as an observer, but I want you to be my student. And her grandmother, who was sitting close by, she chimed in and she said, Stacy, don't waste your time on Maggie. Can't you see her condition? She can't walk well, and she, she must have mental problems as well, and just don't, don't even waste your time on her. And I said something to the grandma to the effect of, mark my words, Maggie will read. And sure enough, Maggie was one of my three students who completed the literacy course. And little by little, Maggie learned to read. And a big part of the literacy program is reading uh, Bible stories that have been translated in the language. And so more than ever, Maggie was hearing not just how we were being frustrated trying to find words for concepts in Bible stories, but she actually was coming to understand the character of God. And she later told me that she thought that she had to learn French in order to commune with God, in order to know her creator. But through these literacy clashes, she said that she heard God speaking to her in her language. Amen. So um, about this time, um, after the literacy courses, we realized that we were going to come home here, and so we wanted to produce some type of evangelistic curriculum for the Bakum people so that they would be able to hear of Christ, not just know the character of God, but hear of Christ and have the information they would need to be saved. So we spent about six months working through creating an evangelistic curriculum in a book called that we call the Book of Good News. And basically, it starts with who God is. The second chapter is who man is, what is sin. And then it goes on describing the uh, life of Christ, the death of Christ, the implications of the death of Christ, then future things and what a life of faith looks like. So Maggie, once again, was in the back of our translation center listening as we were developing this curriculum. 
And although we still haven't found in this curriculum, we didn't find a single word to describe grace. However, in this curriculum, we were able to include a lot of illustrations that describe what grace is. So Maggie would listen and listen and listen until finally she said, Stacy, I want to I go through this curriculum with you. I want to do a Bible study with you because I want to know more about the Lord. So we did that. We studied this book together um, for months. And it was during that time that Maggie began to feel extreme guilt over her sin. And if she were here today, she would tell you, um, I know that I'm handicapped, but that doesn't mean I'm not a sinner, is what, is what she would say. She, said, she would say, I don't get a free pass because of the suffering in my life. I know that I have sinned. And so she was feeling this conviction of sin, and she kept trying to, quote, unquote, do better. She kept trying. She would just get so frustrated. She'd say, I know I'm sinning in these ways, and I try to do what's right, and I just get mad all over again, and I'm, you know, mean to people, and I curse at them or whatnot. So we continued to to talk through these things, and then one day I shared with her an illustration from a book called Building on Firm Foundations, and this is how the illustration goes. There was once a river that a young boy um, wanted to cross, so he started to go into the river, but there was a deep part in the river he didn't know about, and so he lost his footing. This young boy started to panic because he didn't know how to swim. And then on the other side of the river, there were the villagers there who were watching him, and they themselves were starting to panic, and they started to look at one another and say, go save the boy, go save the boy, but they knew that none of them knew how to swim and that none of them were capable to go save this boy. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, a young, strong man appeared, and everybody was relieved because they knew that he was a very capable swimmer. And so they shouted, you know, thank God, go dive in and go save this young boy. But the experienced swimmer, he stood there, he looked at the boy, and he did nothing. The people became frustrated, and they shouted, save him, save him. But he did nothing. He was watching the boy, and he was waiting. Finally, at the very last minute, he dove into the river, and he went, saved the boy, and drug him to shore. The people were thankful, but they asked him, why did you wait? And the experienced swimmer said, I waited because when someone is drowning, they're panicked. And when someone comes to save them, they often push him away in an attempt to save themselves. I had to wait until he saw that his own efforts wouldn't save him so that he would cling to me instead. Maggie heard the story and she said, this is me. I'm that boy in the river. I've been trying to save myself, but I can't. I need Jesus to come and to save me. It was then that Maggie finally understood what grace was. Once Maggie became born again, she wanted to be baptized. We talked to her about what baptism meant, and she worked on her testimony. She was nervous to be immersed in water. We go to a river when people are baptized because of her condition, But she was convinced that that is what God wanted her to do. The night before her baptism, one of Maggie's friends came to my house and said that Maggie was calling for me. And so I figured that Maggie was probably getting cold feet. And um, so I went to her house. And when I arrived at her house, I realized that I had really misjudged the situation. Um, Her mother, who 
typically does not live in the same house as her. Um, she actually came to the house that Maggie was living at, and she was, she was out of control. Um, what I saw when I came into the house was Maggie's mom in the hallway screaming at Maggie, saying that Maggie had ruined her life because she was crippled and that she wished that she had never been born. And those present in the house said that the mother had been beating Maggie that night. So I went into the room where Maggie was, and she was laying in her bed. She was weeping. She was brokenhearted, but she was thankfully not badly injured. So as I comforted Maggie, Dave came to take the mother outside. And what Dave learned from the people who were in the house is that Maggie's mother had been fighting um, with her boyfriend. And during that fight, she pushed over her, her own mom, who is about 80 pounds, a frail older woman, onto the ground. And uh, the, the grandmother on the ground started bleeding. And when Maggie saw the grandmother on the ground who was bleeding, she screamed, told her mother what she did was wrong, and pleaded for her to stop fighting. And then when Maggie's mom heard this, she then turned on Maggie for being disrespectful. So Dave more or less kind of neutralized Maggie's mother, which is another story. But my main concern at that time was for um, my brokenhearted young sister in the faith. And Maggie was laying in bed, and she was just saying, I'm worthless. I'm worthless. I'm a burden to my family. I can't work in the fields. I'm a, I'm a disgrace to my mother. Um, it would be better for me to, not, to no longer live. And I, I reminded her of Romans 8. I read some of Romans 8 and translated it for her into Bakum. And I just told her that the God of the universe was on her side, that the God of the universe treasured her, and that she was valuable in his eyes. And I just pleaded with her, and this is how I pray for her too, to not meditate on the words of her mom, but instead to meditate on the words of what God says about her. And then she told me the story of what had happened earlier, and she said, Stacy, I just told my mom the truth and did what was right, and I, I received like a beating for this. Um, how could this happen? And I told her, Maggie, I know that this is difficult, but God is so pleased that you stood up for your grandmother. And also remember that people hated Christ for speaking the truth, and people hate me for speaking the truth, and people will too also hate you for speaking the truth. After a lot more discussion and prayer, uh, Maggie was calm and at peace. And as I was leaving her room, I said, Maggie, do you still want to be baptized tomorrow? And she said, I'm with Jesus now, and I know that if I follow him, this kind of suffering will be my new normal, and I'm ready for it. We can go to the next slide. The next day, it was Easter Sunday, and um, it was a pretty normal church service, with the exception that Maggie uh, shyly but confidently shared her testimony about how she was a sinner and about how she could not change, how she could not save herself, but that Jesus was powerful to save her. And so our church um, walked to the river singing hymns. Dave drove Maggie in his car, in our car, to the river, and she once again affirmed her faith in Jesus Christ and was baptized. And while all the while, praise the Lord, you can clap. (laughs) 
this is a miracle in and of itself. And then a secondary miracle that morning was that her mom actually came to her baptism. And she stood there watching and saw that her daughter um, was loved. She, her daughter had a new family, and she was loved. Uh, it's funny. I've had conversations with other missionaries, and there's some agencies uh, who they focus on the influencers. So the people who are in the government or in leadership, fathers, and they say that if we focus on these influencers, we'll be able to see the gospel trickle down into their families and into their spheres of influence. And I'm not saying missionaries shouldn't do that. You know, there, there's room for witnessing to rich and influential people. Um, but in our ministry, um, not necessarily because it was our goal, just the way the Lord has led us, we just are constantly with the poor. We're constantly with the handicapped, the illiterate. And uh, I don't presume to know what God is doing anywhere, but when I look at Maggie, um, she's in the middle. You can't really see her there. But um, she, when I look at her and I see that she is the weakest, she is the least influential pe- person, one of the least influential people probably in the entire world, I don't know why God chose to save Maggie, but I know that whatever he's going to do with Maggie and with her salvation, it's just going to be awesome because that's just what God does. If you go to the next slide in 1 Corinthians 1, it says, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to, bring to nothing the things that are so that no human being may boast in the presence of the Lord. I really love that God saved Maggie um, because this is just such a great illustration of this verse. But it's also a great illustration of grace. And the Bakun people may never have one single word for grace, but they now have Maggie, and they have these other young believers that God has saved that are clear demonstrations that God doesn't save people because they're awesome. Um, I just saw a quote the other day that says, uh, it was by J.D. Greer, I think. So the goal of a lecture is that you leave with information. The goal of a motivational speech is you lead with action steps. And the goal of a gospel sermon is that you leave worshiping. Uh, we didn't preach a sermon today, but our goal today was that we would all walk away worshiping God more because of what he's doing. So, Amen. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. They shared some similar stories uh, on Friday night that were so moving. And uh, we want to just pray for you. So you, they're on the beginning, really kind of the beginning of the furloughs. You're here for a full another year until next summer. Um, so the church knows. Uh, they, they have a booth. Uh, they have a table set up out there. You can go see them uh, afterwards. But so that the church knows how to pray. Um, how could we be praying for you over the course of this next year? Um, Yeah, we left a lot of really young and new believers like Maggie and others as well. And I think that would be our first prayer request is that God would sustain their faith and that they would be diligent to reread the Bible stories. Um, Reading is still very hard for them. It takes a lot of self-discipline. So please pray that God would sustain their faith. I have nothing to add. You have nothing to add. Okay, great. Well, we will pray for that. We're going to pray for you as well So uh, in this time. So join me as we pray. Lord, we do pray for uh, Maggie this morning, even after hearing this story, and uh, she's across the world, but a a representation of the grace of God, which comes and 
gives new life to the weak, to, to the dead, and trespasses and sins, just like we all were. But thank you for this picture, this story of grace today. And we pray that you would sustain her, guard her, protect her physically, emotionally, spiritually, and the other young believers there as well that they've left for the year. We pray that uh, they would uh, grow, uh, that there would be supernatural faith, and without their, for some of them, their big brother or sister here in the Lord, that uh, they would um, lean on you in a new way, in a fresh way, and that they would be, uh, David says, would return to find growth and maturity and amazing work of God uh, in their absence, Lord. We pray for that. Um, we pray for their year here, that it would be a, a year of uh, renewal, and refreshing for the for the four kids and for them for the family. We pray that you would uh, for their whole family that you would bless them. We pray for Dave and Stacy that you would uh, refresh their marriage as they have a time away from the intensity of life in the village. Uh, give them good rest, good communication, um, Lord, and just may this be a growing time uh, for them and for the kids as well, Lord. As the kids are in a new school for the year, we pray that you would uh, bless them, give them friends and. Uh, Lord, uh, join them with uh, young people that, uh, that know you and love you, we pray. And uh, as they're in Louisville, Lord, we just pray that their family would be surrounded by love and care over this year. We pray as they do additional study to uh, know more, to be able to translate better when they go back. Uh, we pray that you would bless their, their studies and uh, all the churches they're visiting. We pray that just as we've experienced today your grace in a fresh way, that the churches they visit would experience the same. And, uh, Lord, we just uh, we ask that uh, this would be a, a rich, rich, memorable year for them. Bless them. Thank you for their friendship. Uh, thank you for the connection we have. And thank you for the work that you're doing in them and through them. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church. To receive future messages, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or listen online by visiting our website at gracechurchfrisco.org.